All right, uh, it is July 21st. 2022, uh, we uh, have on the prayer list uh, Gary for wisdom and blessings, and um, he's still undergoing certain treatments and procedures. And I'm praying for local businesses to survive, and the Lord would give wisdom to the business owners on how they could uh, stay in business through this very deliberate attempt to destroy our nation's economy by enemies from inside this government and from out. Our police and our fire and our EMT workers, Morta and Charles, John Park, and those on his prayer list. He usually has uh, the wiser uh, fellows and, and uh, Fogelman on there. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that we don't forget John's prayer list uh, entries. He's working at the Lions Club Carnival tonight. The Reverend Davis and his wife, Miss Carrie. Blessings of knowledge for Jerry, my father-in-law, so he'll know how much caffeine to drink. And uh, our children and our grandchildren. Bob, uh, two kids, Stephanie and Mike, unsafe family members. Pray for the folks in Europe and for the water situation on the west coast whatever lord it would take to get the folks to be able to get your favor may they do that if they only will praying for america eric rex ted again reverend davis and his family our country unsaved family members valentina's friend molly ray and judy and answers to the prayer request on tonight's uh, study list or prayer list and uh, truth about the vaccines and the COVID tests to come out and, um, yeah Ray if uh, you ever need a sideline job you could take it on a job with some high powered New York lawyer <clears throat> filling out the fine print because <laughs> I can't see the self salvation to loved ones. Salvation for the bunch of Washington. Yes, leaders. certainly. Um, truth about the COVID tests. It turns out the Chinese are making those, and Soccer. they they can modulate the level of the quote pandemic all they want to by delivering different batches of these tests. Did you see that article, Ron? Naomi Wolf put it together, uh, documented it. Mm. No, I, I'll try to send you that. Okay. It's worth looking into. Naomi Wolf uh, is her name. Marcos, uh, his uh, son needs salvation, and for his mother, I think she's going into surgery tomorrow. So let's join hands. Now thank you, God, for the ability to come to you in prayer. I thank you for your many blessings, most of which we unfortunately take for granted every day. I pray, Lord, you just have mercy on us and that you would have heard these prayer requests. And let me add that little girl, Abby. I still will pray for a miracle until I hear something to the effect of it's no longer required that I pray. Guide us tonight. Keep us. Thank you for our pets and their safety. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 8.
we'll start at the beginning of Matthew 8. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. He told him not to tell. He did that in other places. But this uh, fellow, his request for prayer was preceded by worship. Now, why would he worship Jesus? Well, I think he knew who Jesus was. And he worshiped the Lord, and, and he, he said, Yes, I'll cleanse you. I will make you clean. And he did it so simply. He said, I'll do it. I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Most of the healings you're going to see in the Bible are instantaneous, especially when Jesus speaks. But he's the one who spoke the universe into existence. He spoke it all into existence. So surely he can speak um, and make someone well. I listened to um, Joseph Prince this morning. I, and I really haven't found him in any bad way of doctrine. He seems like pretty squared away. He does the tongues talking, but the way he does it and the way he describes it I don't object to that um, and he doesn't just do it ad nauseum Amen but, uh, That's Joseph Prince, Amen He is from Singapore You should have been watching Jeremiah it's Dr. David Jeremiah He's on at the same time Oh yeah. Channel 332 Okay. He's really What is that, a satellite dish? No, the Citizens Cable. Okay. I don't have that. All right. But Joseph Prince said, why did Jesus go around healing people? And he said the pat answer that a lot of people give was, you know, it was a, it's symbol, symbolic for taking you from a state of being unsaved and bound for hell to being spiritually healed. It's a symbolic thing. And to some extent, that's probably true. But um, he said if healing was not important to Jesus, why did he do it? Why did he do it over and over? I wrote down a handful of verses, but there are dozens of them, honestly. Let's go forward, starting in verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Very possibly the man had had a stroke, the palsy, you know, unable to move like he should be able to. Verse 7, And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, 
having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and unto another come, and he cometh. And to my servants, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour, as thou hast believed. This man called Jesus Lord. He calls him Lord before he asks for anything. Really the model of the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Exalt the name of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You come to the God of all creation, worshiping him, acknowledging him. You call him Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You don't show up and start rattling off your requests disrespectfully. Because if you're truly spiritually in the presence of your Creator, you should feel a, a, a really heavy solemnity. You may even want to tear up a little bit. And you honor Him, and you worship Him, and you call Him Lord. And then He says, give us this day our daily bread. He's, this is a model of a prayer. Jesus isn't praying that prayer. How do you know? Because He didn't sin. He wouldn't say, forgive me our trespasses, you know. He was showing us how to pray. And He even says that. This is how you should pray. It's not there. Um, <coughs> it's um, it's at a couple of places. Um, of course, I'll locate it there if you want. I was thinking it was somewhere in Matthew. Early in Matthew. Yeah. Um, in any event, we we see the pattern established that you acknowledge Him as God. You do. It's in Matthew uh, six. six. Six, okay. Six, Matthew 6 and verse 4. Uh, you acknowledge him as God. I think it starts in 11. Verse 11, yeah. Matthew 6, gotcha. And you honor him, you praise him. And you have to believe. Look at verse 13 of Matthew 8. Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so it be done. This centurion, Jesus marveled at his faith. I mean, this man knew who Jesus was. He said, you can even say it and it'll be done. 
just like what I can do. I can say, go to this one and I'll go, and come to that one and he'll come, and do this to, you know, do this or that to my servant, he'll do it. So he understood who Jesus was. Maybe we miss out on blessings in some cases not properly acknowledging God as we ought. There, you can do stuff so routinely, and this is like the Catholics pray this rosary, and I bet you that the majority of them are thinking about what they're going to have for lunch that day. Hail Mary full of grace, I'm going to get me some gravy and biscuits, and, you know, and that kind of thing. And it's not working. And um, Jesus said, don't do this vain repetition. That's what pagans do. Um, he said, just ask. Ask. You know, he, he um, we're in Matthew 7. Go to, uh, maybe... He talks about, in one of the, the, the verses, five, chapter 5, 6, and 7, to, you know, ask and it'll be given you. Seek and, and, and you shall find. And um, I'm looking for where that is because I just listened to this yesterday morning. I listened to it on the audio Bible. Um, but uh, he doesn't seem to qualify it that you won't get it if this isn't right or that isn't right. I've always uh, marveled over this. Uh, Matthew 7 and verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. For what man is there of you? Matthew 7 and 9. Whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? In another case, he says, how much more will your Father give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, this Holy Spirit's a good thing. It's the best thing. That's what is your seal of, uh, of your salvation. So, um, Christ said to the disciples, you're worried about what you're going to eat. You're worried about what you're going to wear. You're worried about where you're going to live. What kind of roof you got over your head? You're worried about all this. And he said, look at these birds. They're not worried. They don't seem worried. They don't store up or anything, but they're always fed. He said, um, look at these lilies out here in the field. He said, I'll tell you that Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed as beautifully as these flowers. He said, he knows what you need. He said, your father, he knows what your needs are. Well, if he knows that you need food and clothing and shelter, 
it seems pretty obvious from the healings that he does, he knows that we will occasionally need to be healed. And, um, you know, the one blind man, many think, I think they may have a point. He, he made mud with his own saliva and pressed into this guy's eyes almost as if he was born without any eyes anyway. That does happen occasionally. And, well, we're made from the dust of the earth, so Jesus made him some eyes. Now, these are what you might call over-the-top miracles. If you heard anybody claim that they saw such a thing in this day and age, you would be skeptical. It's the age we're living in. It's the age of uh, science. And Paul says at the end of 1 Timothy, science falsely so-called. If you, you know, when somebody starts bringing the science card on you, just tell them to page back through the scientific manuals of the last three or four hundred years and how many things we believe that are laughable now and how many things that we are believing now that will like... The most common response you get, because I've pulled that on a lot of people, is, oh, well, but we're just so far ahead of what we were then. And, yeah. well, like, they're totally missing the point mm-hmm. that, you know... Well, they're not ahead. That's no. that, that's for sure. How far are we ahead of behind the people that are coming out? There you go. If there, if history goes on another 100, 200 years like it is, which I don't think is likely at all, but if it did, uh, then we'd be looking at some of the things we've done. Well, I mean, they spent a lot of time trying to turn lead into gold. Yeah, what was that, alchemy? Yeah. And these were not stupid people. No. They were, quote, scientists. Well, Newton was... Uh, actually, I think had a book on that. On how to do it? Well, no, not on how to do it, but studies on alchemy. Yeah, on alchemy. I mean, obviously, he never accomplished it, but I mean, he was well, fascinated by it. Chemistry. They have made made concoctions and medicines, and you know, God. Um, they made uh, man-made diamonds that are just as real as real. Diamonds. Yeah, they can do that. It kind of devalues diamonds, doesn't it? <laughs> What's devaluing them more than anything is that uh, that volcano off South Africa just belching them out like so many, you know, flecks of pepper. You know, there there are so many of them, but uh, they've they got a cork in it. I got a cork in them. Um. So, uh, I think Joseph Prince had a good point that. The Lord wants you to be well. He doesn't want you to be sick. Now, the, the folks that are weaker in the faith will go to places like, well, you know, it says we'd have tribulation in this world. But right after that, he says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. <coughs> and some people will say, well, that means he's overcome it in the age to come. No, he's overcome it now. He, he allows Satan to do certain things and he will not allow him to do other things. That's the way it's been. Well, you know, that reminds me of something I was thinking about the other day. Suppose that everything was just went the way you wanted it. It would be miserable. It's like having a real spoiled brat child. Yeah, you get everything and you that's want. that's what we would be if we didn't have any issues, we didn't have any testing trials or, or you know... I um, 
you would feel kind of lose the need for God. And yeah. Over at Truck Stop Ministries, a lot of times I talk to the truckers that are in there, and I said, look, without friction, you'll get no traction. You know, so that friction in our lives helps us to grow and get stronger. And it's not only God chastening us, because He does chasten those He loves, but it's it's a way for us to grow. I mean, if, if we're not challenged every now and then, you're going to stagnate. Well, there's a psalm, it's verse 119. It's good that I was afflicted, so... I learned your statutes, mm-hmm. you know, but that there too. I got afflicted, but I learned God's principles and statutes to let me repent, let me turn my heart toward God and my heart away from this world. Jerry and I talked about this yesterday for my sake. And um, we, uh, either yesterday before, I remember. <laughs> it's a blast. It's a it's a blur in it. Yeah. At this point. It's like riding the daggone thousand mile an hour merry go round these days. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, even, even even like you take like an oak tree out there, unless it has resistance from the elements, it doesn't get strong. Right. Yeah, and um, so we we do have that. We do have the tribulation or the trouble, but you don't live in it. And I was praying this morning and I was thinking about people I love and care for that are afflicted in one way or another and also myself not being able to take what according to the MRI or the scans of my back and hips is nothing wrong with me so why cannot I you know, pick up and function. Same thing with you, Ray. They've been through you from one end to the other and ain't found nothing wrong. And um, so what is it then? We've got, you, you and I, Ray, we've got functional bodies, but our mind isn't working them like it should. It isn't working our bodies like it could. And I was just praying for understanding about that for my own case. And I just got this brief vision. I'm talking like a split second. And it was like this human body, which I'm assuming was mine. And there was this bluish kind of gingerbread looking character inside it. And he was holding on to something with both legs and both arms. wasn't letting it go. And it was as if God says, you're not letting this go. You want this. For whatever reason, you want this. At least a part of me must, I guess. I don't know where to put it. I'm just telling you it's a struggle. You know, it's like being addicted to whiskey. You know, yeah, I realize it's a problem. I just keep right on going, though. Quit one of these days, people say. But, um... It does not seem to be God's will that any of His people languish with infirmity. But there has to be some things handled in a certain order. Acknowledging who God is. Worshiping God. Coming to Him in the name of Jesus as one of His. And I would just like this 
fellow who had leprosy, you know, he says, uh, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. They call him Lord. He makes it obvious that he believes that he can do it because he says, if you'll do it, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus is compassionate. He even looked on the rich man and felt bad for him because he wouldn't get rid of all of his possessions to follow Christ. He had compassion on that man. And I think when he sees any of us languishing in infirmity, he has compassion. Doesn't seem like he's going to do it for us, though. There's something, you know, our part of the equation. You've got in radio, which Ray well knows, you've got a transmitter, and somewhere down the line you've got a receiver. Well, the communication doesn't occur unless the transmitter's functioning and the receiver's functioning. So if we are the receiver, and we're supposed to receive this blessing of healing from God, and we don't, this is time to examine ourselves. I suppose that some of the afflictions you receive is to uh, coordinate us into the direction we need to go, because otherwise we may not uh, go there. We may not feel the need, we may feel pride, we may feel, you know, I'm invincible. You know, look at me, I own millions of camels and asses and and homes and, and I, when I walk in the gate everybody looks at me and says wow you know, um, well Job was afflicted yeah. because of that idea he had that prideful uh, uh, apparently high opinion he had of himself and yes I agree those afflictions came in order to get him to pull back from that in which case he did and he was restored if we're afflicted in some way, it doesn't have to be a health issue. It, I mean, it could be your job or your... You know, like the Apostle Paul, he, he had this uh, affliction that, that he did not get over because the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Of what kind of affliction that was is a toss-up, but we know he was afflicted. It was called a thorn in his side to keep him humble, 2 Corinthians 12. Thorn in his flesh, yeah. Um, let's go there. We'll stay, keep a pencil in Matthew 8, but go to 2 Corinthians 12. I mean, there's a lot of speculations about what that was. Some people say it was eyes, some people say yeah. it was, but whatever it was. I think if we see, if we... Something that he uh, had no control over. Ask the Lord, and the Lord said, That's right. So where do we see it? Um, he was called up to the third heaven. You can tell about that. Verse 7. Yeah, verse 7, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, a thorn in the flesh. 
and it's a messenger of Satan. And there's a clue as to what this really was. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So he has a messenger of Satan. He didn't say, I sought the Lord for healing three times. He said, I sought the Lord that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee for my strength. Hello, hello. hello. Hey, uh, good to Had you on the prayer list, as always. Is everything well? Doing pretty good, mm-hmm. thank the Lord. Good Operation deal. was successful. Good. It takes time to heal, but it's still a whole lot you have to do. Yeah. But thank you for your prayers. You got to see it through. But God said to Paul, we're just in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, when what is it that we can do? What what sort of action can we take that requires God's grace? When we need to avail ourselves of His grace, what have we done? Sinned. Now, he says it's a messenger of Satan. He said it was sent to keep him humble, to buffet him. So, now... So it sounds like it's not going to go away. Right. This it, God doesn't need it to go away. God doesn't want it to go away. This is a tormenting spirit causing Paul to perhaps covet. He talks about covetousness in Romans 7. Paul seems to want this temptation to be sent away from him. Because to me, the fact that it says, my grace is sufficient. Grace won't fix a bad knee. Grace is not what you need from God if you have a bad back or bad eyesight. Why? When is it that you need to avail yourself of God's grace when you sin? Well, what if you have something that is a, a chronic problem and you need grace to, to get through it? It's, it's not going to go Well, you away. need grace when you sin against Him. If you have a chronic problem, you, 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 need, you need grace it. to go through it? You need, God's grace is given for the purpose of Forgiveness. Did you make more coffee or something? Uh, yeah, I'm making more coffee. Um, so, let's, uh, where's that woman that had the, well, there was her and then there was one, let's go to Luke, because um, this is like 18 years this went on, it might be in Luke 13. Well, she gave away all her possessions so she could be healed or something like that. Well, it, it, it honestly could be. Um, uh, is that is that when when um there was a crowd of people and he said, who touched me? Yeah, verse 10 of yeah. Luke 13. He was Luke, on his way to heal somebody. Yeah, he does a lot of healing. 
in the Gospels. Luke 13, verse 10, it says, And he was, as he was, and I'm sorry, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit, and don't miss that word spirit, a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. She was just leaned over. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him to wait a watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people were rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. These uh, synagogue rulers, um, they said there's six days when you ought to work. They are viewing this as work. Um, they're viewing acts of God or things that you would do in God's name as work. Um, this woman's been over by spirit 18 years. And uh, he says Satan had bound her 18 years. What would we say in 2022, the year of our Lord, if we ran across a woman that from 2004 was leaned over like this, and couldn't stand up. Probably had to walk with a little two-foot cane or something. Who knows? What would we say? Well, I don't think most people out there would say that Satan did it. I don't think they'd say that it was a crippling spirit that was on her. I think they would start looking for specialists. And they would say that. She's got this or that. There's all kind of labels and catch-alls. But the truth was, it was a spirit of evil that had done this to her, and Jesus said, Thou art loose from thine infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Wait. Yeah. The 18 years, she was like that. God knew what was going to happen to us. He knew what was going to go through. Do you think there was a reason for her to be that way all those years so that God could show his authority and his power to the unbelievers, the people that want to condemn what he did. Yeah. So things that happen like that today, and we walk into people that, that's why some people come up to you and say, uh, would you pray for me? You've never seen them before. Yeah. But there's a reason God have things done mm -hmm. so that other people will see his power. Uh, that's true. It's uh, uh, in well, John... Go ahead, Jerry. Uh, actually, that, that's the whole point of Jesus' miracles, was to present himself 
as the Lord, mm-hmm. and he was rejected because, uh, you know, when John uh, was in prison, he said, "Do we look for another one? This is a guy that baptized him, saw the dove, or a, the Spirit descending like a dove, mm-hmm. and anointing him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin. And he's, he's discouraged, and he's in prison, and he's saying, do we look for someone else? Are you the one? Mm-hmm. And of course, Jesus said, "Go back and tell him what I've done. I raised the dead, I healed the blind, and sick are made well, and, and, and let him contemplate." Because this was the sign of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So in John chapter nine, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read the first few verses. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, "Master, who did sin?" this man or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus answered neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work as long as I am in the world I am the light of the world when he had thus Spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. Now the neighbors all marveled. And Jesus said, It wasn't this man or his parents that sinned, it was. You know, it doesn't say how old it was, but he did spend a long time unable to see. So people in the neighborhood didn't believe it. He was an adult. Uh uh-huh. And right. then they said, uh, to the friend, "Is this your son?" Yeah. And they said, well, "Go, go ask him yourself. He's yeah. of age. He can yeah. speak for himself. He yeah. can tell you what happened." Yes, that's right. That's what they said. You there. see, that's good information. I know the purpose of God doing, allowing, and doing things. But what do we have in common with these things? A healing came. So somebody who nurses an infirmity to the grave is not going to glorify God in that as far as being healed. Now they might be patient under the duress and deal with it and live with it and be an example in that way. And I guess you can say they glorify God in that way. But as far as as the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, um, regardless of how long the affliction has lasted, it has to culminate in a healing in order to say this sickness was for the glorification of God. Mm-hmm. I would have to go there with that. I mean, and I mean, there might be things I'm overlooking, but uh, I know that he tells us, you know, in James chapter 5, and y'all know this, um, yeah. Is any among you afflicted? Verse 13 of James 5. Let him praise. Any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So, um, there's no qualifiers there other than 
It has to be a prayer of faith. That's the that's the part that I wanted to bring out. Even though the, she was 18 years old, 18 years with that suffering, right. she didn't give up. She kept on praying. She kept on seeking and, and kept on. So the things that we go through is not for regret just now, here and now. It's during the time that you go through that, that you hold on to God. And people look at you and say, well, why don't you just give up in that? Like they told you. He, yeah. he said, don't God say, I'm going to trust him. So yeah. that's to tell us, no matter what we go through, you don't have to give up. You hold on. You keep mm -hmm. on trying. God will take care of what needs to be done in yeah. his own time. I've run across people that have, have something that's uh, chronic. And, you know, because, you know, you talk to them and you realize, and they've gone through everything. They've gone to doctors. They've gone to faith healers. Mm -hmm. They've gone to church. They've gone to everywhere. And they've kind of given up because they didn't get the answer they wanted. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you don't give up, if you hang in there and say, well, uh, you know, no, even though he shall slay me, <laughs> I'm not turning from it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that, you're right. That's not good. Um, there's a passage in, I think it's in Acts 13, I'm looking for it, where, you know, Paul heals a man that had never walked. And, um, Pretty sure it's in 13. Acts? Acts 13. Um, I don't see it. But um, he, he, it says he looked at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed, and and that was uh, seeming prerequisite in this case that um, this man who had not one Peter. It's Paul, and I'm 99% sure it's in Acts 13. But this happens to me a lot uh, when I I'm gonna look right over. I'm gonna switch Bibles here and break the spell there. Hang on a second. <laughs> um. I can look right at the passage and then not see it. Um, it's my kid. That's fine. Talk to him. Hello? I'm going to have to use Mr. Google here. I should have made notes. But um, it's just another example of, uh, when we do find it, which I will, it's another example of faith being necessary. And, and we live in an age where... Uh, We don't have as much faith, it seems. Um, let's see. I guess I was one chapter off. Acts 14. Look at Acts 14 and verse 8. And there sat a 
certain man at Lystra impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. The same heard Paul speaking, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leapt up and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, the, of it, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea, and all things that are therein. All right. Um, Paul's an apostle. It says he looks and he sees that this guy has the faith. Um, so the thing is, without that, you don't expect there to be a healing. Look at John chapter 5. John 5. It's at the beginning. 5. Chapter 5, yeah. Verse 5. Okay, it is. I'm just going to read from the start. It says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Hang on a second. Hey, babe. I'm going to shut that door. Just close that if you would. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. 
and on the same day was the Sabbath. Of course, the Jews didn't like that. This says it is an angel that was doing this. In my opinion, this was not one of God's angels. This is a cruel thing to do. To see a gathering place with people of all kinds of troubles. And further, this angel likely serving Satan, this is my opinion, likely serving Satan, and Satan had the afflictions on these people. So let's say just like the woman in Luke chapter 13, Satan had afflicted her. Well, if he likes to have a little dog and pony show and create heartbreak amongst so many people, get a big kick out of going down there and stirring up the water and then watching everybody fight. You know they fought. You know they probably hurt each other trying to get in the water first and getting healed. Hey, hey, I'm healed. Hey, you're healed because Satan removed that spirit off of you and you're healed. And, and they get a big kick out of it like the Romans watching the gladiators. Jesus didn't need this pool of water. All he needed was his word. He asked that man, would you be made whole? Would you want to be made whole? Said, yeah. But I can't get in that pool. I can't get in there quick enough. I'm not fast enough. Got nobody to help me. Jesus didn't put him in the pool. He just said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. That's how powerful the Word of God is. That's how powerful it really is. <laughs> and I guess in this day and age, I can certainly say it for myself, I, uh, I am the weakest link in the healing equation. I'm the weakest link. It's my fault. If I ask for something to be healed on me. But you know what? God did heal my back and hip years ago now. I know it's been because I used to feel the, uh, the knots and the, the, you know, and it used to make worse sounds than it makes now. That's what you just said. The thing about God. We wanted everything done for us right now. But our time and his time is different. There's a reason why he does it in his time. Because during his time, it reaches other people. And I was thinking about what you said about the devil come down and stir up the water to get people and watch them. The devil can't do for so much. God has the power to do all things. And if this man believed that he could, if he went into the pool, that he would be healed, he had that faith and that belief. And once Jesus asked him and he said, I have no one, Jesus let him know, you don't have to get someone to put you in there. I have the power. I can heal you. Well, 40 years ago, there was a preacher evangelist come from 
South Carolina or North Carolina to Bluefield, West Virginia. And on the bus, and we were on the bus and load of people with them. And they went up to this church that night, had a big revival. People was on crutches and wheelchairs. And he would call them up and they'd jump up and start running up and down and acting like they were healed. Wasn't nothing wrong with them in the first place. No, no, it's a sham. Yeah. See, that was a sham. But during that time and in that age, you didn't know at that time because people didn't realize how great God is and how sincere we should be. The devil will fool you. He'll do it. he do all kinds of things to make you think he's real. But I saw these people before they went to the church. And they didn't have their wheelchairs. The bus, yeah. And there wasn't no crushes. Wheelchairs or not. Wasn't no wheelchairs. They were at the mall. Because yep. people didn't know them because they never they seen them before. They weren't from around here. See, yeah. So I, I learned the hard way and watched them. And I went to a revival meeting one night. Or Roberts. That's the preacher. And they told this man, they prayed for this man. This man jumped up out that chair, ran all over the tent. And people just praised and put money in it and all that. And I just looked at that. And as I grew up during the years, I went to Southern Baptist Convention one Sunday with my father. He preached. And this lady was in the choir stand. She jumped up, started hollering, and started running. And then back of the church, they had some pillars. You know those brick pillars in the back of the church to hold it up? She ran all the way out the choir stand, down the side, and bam, right into that pillar. Oh, goodness. Fell down and died. Whoa. I said to my dad, I said, Dad, something wrong here. Yeah. I said, if God has control of you in the spirit, the spirit is not going to let you hurt yourself. You was up on the end of the pew. You're not going to hurt yourself. I was small, and I could yeah. understand that. And he said, son, that was not the spirit. That's not God. the spirit. So a lot of things yeah. people do, the devil has control and probably right. to do it. Well, exactly. you know, the Bible says God is not mocked. Right. And she was apparently uh, consciously or at least subconsciously faking it or mocking God but you know when I say that about this John chapter 5 that I think this angel it just says it was an angel it doesn't say it was one of God's mm -hmm. this just doesn't sound like a very nice thing to be doing well, the other thing that I think would indicate that God did not have anything to do with this healing pool is he's getting no glory from it he, nobody's knowing that oh this is Jesus that's healed me that's right it's, they're thinking they're going to dip in the water and that's magically healed them yeah. that doesn't sound yeah. like something God's going to facilitate that's another good point yeah there's another metaphor meaning about that too you we are sinners and we cannot get ourselves into the pool mm -hmm. we can't do anything to get ourselves there yeah and we can't get anybody to do it for us right so we have, to, we have to let Christ do it for us. Right. That's what he, to me, that's, that's symbolic. There you go. That. That's a good point, too. That's why you say, come just as you are. Yes. You don't have to get dressed up. You don't have to. And, and, and he asks every one of us, do you want to be healed? Right. And that's spiritual healing, of course. That's right. But as far as our physical bodies, I guess I will continue to believe at least in the case of myself, 
if I cannot receive the healing that I know God wants me to have, I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to say, well, maybe this or maybe that. I'm just going to say it's on me. And, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but um, all the scripture seems to indicate he wants us to be made well. He wants us to be healed. He don't want to leave us laying sick. And, uh, you know, and he uses different means of doing it. And um, sometimes it's, you didn't have the right uh, diet. Uh, sometimes you need supplements. There are times that, yeah, you might need an operation. But he wants us to be healed. I don't think that he wants to leave any of us languishing without that healing blessing. That's like I was talking about Joseph Prince. I don't know if you've seen this guy, Joseph Prince. His church is in Singapore. He's from Singapore. Big church. But he said, if healing wasn't important, why did Jesus do it so much? Why did he go around healing so many people if it wasn't something that was important to him? And then he imparted that to the apostles. And then when we get, we read it in the book of James. Supposedly we can lay that same sort of claim and have someone, even ourselves, be healed. If, um, if we believe... Well, Thursday night on the 19th, my son had surgery on the 19th that morning on his shoulder. On Wednesday night about 10.30, I called him. And I said, Leonard, uh, how you doing? I knew he was nervous. And, and he went, you, you know, if you're going to have surgery, yeah. that's the human side. I said, but I called to have prayer with you. Yep. And we had prayer. And after the prayer, he said, Dad, you said I needed that. That's what we're supposed to do. Be there to be God's mouthpiece to reach out and help one another and pray for one another. And that gives them hope. That gives them faith. And this is how we glorify God. He went through the surgery fine. They just sent me a picture about an hour ago. How he looked when he come out of surgery. Hmm. He was dazed up. Yeah. But well, let's praise God. He's thank the Lord. Amen. Do it fine, and that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what you don't have to be do something wrong to be sick. No, it's just be alive. <laughs> you know, it's going to happen. Be born. That's, that's right. Be, yeah, exactly. And many well, obviously, there's sin in the world. That was part of the fall. Is things no longer function perfectly like God intended. I mean, this life isn't supposed to be comfortable for us right now. Well, I mean, we've read of accounts here. From the time Jesus walked the earth, people yeah. born blind, yeah. born crippled, um, and he was able to heal them. And the one crippled in Acts 14, I'll try to remember next time, was born that way. And you wonder, if somebody never could walk, their legs probably wouldn't even develop. They were probably just looked like a young child's legs, you know. So that healing had to have also involved a supernatural regeneration of legs big enough to carry an adult body. Um, it sounds fantastic. It sounds to many unbelievable. 
but we say we believe this word. But if we struggle anyway to believe it, it's just our humanity. And if we struggle to believe this word, we will struggle to believe that God can do these things today and is willing to do these things today for us. There, there was one that uh, told to go dip in the river seven times before that. Yeah, that was in the Old Testament. Uh, mm-hmm. Nehemiah. Yeah, that sounds right. Or a high-ranking fellow from Syria, I think it was. Yeah, and it was just a servant of Elijah or Elijah. Uh, one of them. <laughs> and he says he sent the service down. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. He didn't even come out for greeting. That's right. And he was upset about that, this king, and he was just said, "Just go do it." And uh, you know, and, and it that, didn't make any sense to him to do it seven times. No. And he was questioning, like, "What am I doing this seven times for?" He said, "Just do it." And he did it, and he was healed of that problem. Well, he followed through. He did. He, said, he just he, did he it. Said, then we have Queen of Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then Elijah's uh, servant went and <coughs> tried to get a, re- a reward from him. Yeah. And did. And cost him his life. Yeah, because healing comes from God and no other. But that um, pool of Siloam. Remember that situation. Was that a, a demonic spirit that said, "If you get down there first, you get healed." Well, we went over that while you were out of the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's what you missed it. Makes, too bad. Okay. makes the most no, sense. No, it, it sounds like it was a. We did well, say it, it sounds. wouldn't make sense that God would yeah, create a pool that that's He gets no glory you. from, nobody knows the name of God from, and they just think they're magically going to dip in it and get healed. I mean, that doesn't sound That's like, like this hot spring place up here in Virginia, Thomas Jefferson and all of them would go to. Yeah. You remember this? This is. You know, it's like. You know, you go there, you're going to get... It's just a nice hot bath, you know. But if you believe that something's going to work for you, well, it's called the placebo effect. It, it can help. So, um, but, you know, the the thing I think we should pray about and and ask for wisdom and ask for knowledge about is how do we get there? Where God has this thing for us, He has something better for us than we're sitting here enduring ourselves. He has something for us that is so much better than maybe we can even imagine. But in my case, there must be something in me that wants to cling to infirmity um, and hold it. And I don't know what that would be. But I will not blame God. I will not blame the Word of God. I will not wordsmith what He has written to mean anything other than what it says. Let the blame fall on me. There's where it will be. And, um, and I think that's a good step toward realizing where the problem is. If we realize the problem is within us, and I'm speaking to myself, then maybe we'll know what measures that we might take. And if we're not sure what measures to take, we can ask God, what should I do? I feel like he showed me this morning, well, you're holding on to this thing with both arms and both legs. 
You're not wanting to let it go. You're afraid to let it go. Don't know why, but uh, there it is. So anybody have anything they'd like to add tonight? We're at about an hour. Well, yeah, and I think he is doing it, and we're the ones that are not receiving the transmitter receiver thing. Remember? Yeah. Ready? Join hands, Reverend Davis. Father God, we thank you for this day. We ask that thou bless our Bible study. We thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge, but above all, we thank you for the understanding that we receive in studying your word. We ask that thou bless each and every home that's represented. Bless our families, our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Father, bless those that are in the disasters all over the world, Lord. Those in bereavement, Lord. Reach down and touch them, Father. Help them to realize, no matter how bad things are, there's a brighter day. And that the answer is you. Yes. Jesus is the answer. Yes. This we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.